Welcome to the Sloth Investor Podcast with your host, Mr. Sloth. The information on this podcast is provided for education and informational purposes only. The information contained in or provided from or through this podcast is not intended to be and does not constitute advice of any kind. Welcome everyone to episode 19 of the Sloth Investor Podcast, an investing podcast that explores why I believe the humble sloth is the best animal to characterize successful investing. Once again, I'm joined by my fellow sloth investor and co-host Jay. Jay, how are you? Well, for those who are fans of the Canadian, sorry, fans of ice hockey, I won't mention my team because they're on a bit of a streak and I don't want to jinx anything like I did before. But what I will say is, you know, being from Canada, man, the temperature here, I don't remember Hong Kong being this cold for this long. I mean, it's chilly out there, man. Oh my goodness. I cannot remember Hong Kong being this cold for such a sustained period of time. It's wet today. I guess we haven't had so much rain recently, but it's wet today. It's cold. And I feel like I'm back in the UK. Oh yeah, my yeah. The way you were dressed today was yeah. you look like you're ready for a summer in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Jake, to our listeners, an apology for the large gap between episodes. Our last episode was mid-January, and with the current situation here in Hong Kong, it has been difficult for Jay and I to connect. Having said that, Jay, I think there's one question on everyone's mind right now, and that is, have you played Wordle? I have not played Wordle. I've heard so much about it, and I'm seeing it on social media, and people are posting their sort of Wordle results. I I only... I don't give it any attention though. It's, it's a, maybe something I need to look into. Are you using it? Are you, are you playing it? You know, I'm similar to you. Now, to be honest, I'm, I'm quite a, you know, a word-based guy. I enjoy writing and reading, playing word-based games like Scrabble, Bananagrams, but I don't know. I guess you would put me in a control group. I'm just, it's just not, not for me at the moment. My wife plays it, Mrs. Sloth, of course she plays it, but I haven't yet uh, had a crack at Wordle. So perhaps I will in the future, who knows? You got maybe you're spending enough of your time uh, uh, reviewing uh, your portfolio. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, what's today's episode about? Tell us a bit more. Sure. So, um, this discussion of words leads us into my second apology of the day. My first apology was to our listeners, and my second apology is to you, Jay. To me. To you. I mean, the reason for this apology centers around a book. It's a book that I have neglected to inform you about, Jay. I'm interested to know more. Well, it's not yet been written, but it's a book that's front and center of my mind when I'm thinking about investing. And that book is, of course, The Sloth Investor Dictionary. Jay, how could I, uh, how could I have been so, so careless to not inform you about The Sloth Investor Dictionary? I could have so used one of those that what a great idea i could have used that years and years and years ago and that would be absolutely fantastic i think for helping me even just get started in understanding some of the the fundamental things that are important in uh, in investing indeed indeed so we touched upon words aplenty during our discussion of wordle and a sloth investor dictionary is crammed full of words aplenty as well but this time in relation to investing of course so let me tell you what I plan to do with my fabled Sloth Investor Dictionary today. Now, we don't have time to go through all of the Sloth Investor theme words connected to the 26 letters of the alphabet in today's episode. Is that how many letters in the Canadian alphabet? Or sorry, in the English alphabet, 26 letters? Yeah, the last time I looked, the last time I looked. So you, the, would, you would have 26 
definitions in your dictionary. We try to. We try to see what we can do. Try and see. All right. So today, though, we can certainly begin our journey. All right. So without further ado, perhaps let us begin by exploring letters A to D in a sloth investor dictionary. Jay, are you ready? I am ready to see where this journey takes us. Let's see. Indeed. Let's see. So, um, okay, everyone, let's begin with the letter A. Our first entry into the sloth investor dictionary is action bias. Jay, as a child growing up in the UK, action man was a popular action figure, popular with many kids. See, I used the word popular. Very pop- must be so popular. I've used the word popular twice. <laughs> in fact, it <laughs> was a popular a, word. It, <laughs> indeed. In fact, it was the British version of G.I. Joe. But the more I think about action man, the more I see him as a form of kryptonite to the sloth investor. Too much action, too much movement, too much exertion of energy is certainly not good for our portfolios. The whole idea of remaining inactive is inherent to our approach to investing. But let's think about our daily lives as human beings on this earth. Quite simply, as sentient human beings, we are programmed to act. Whether this is through our own actions or employing others to act on our behalf, in this regard, we can think of trips to the doctor, to the dentist, the hiring of a plumber, or perhaps a trip to the mechanic. What makes the field of investing so unique is that contrary to so many other aspects of our life, very often the best course of action is to simply do nothing. A key feature of a stock investor is that he or she adopts a do-nothing approach to investing. It sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Think again about the creature you see on the artwork for this podcast episode. Of course, it's a sloth. Sloths are relatively inactive creatures. Likewise, the sloth investor is inherently motionless most of the time. I'll leave the final words to the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. In his forward year, 2016 Berkshire Hathaway annual report, Buffett espouses the merits of doing nothing when he states, for investors as a whole, returns decrease as motion increases. Jay, two questions for you. Hit me, hit me, I want to hear it. Question, question one, Jay. Am I correct that growing up in Canada, in Canada, you've never heard of Action Man? And question two, what are your thoughts on Action Bias? I had never really heard of Action Man until uh, moving to Hong Kong. So that definitely not a, a thing back in Canada. But growing up, we had action figures, uh-huh. which were like G.R. Joe figures, our Star Wars figures, um, our the, the, the He-Man figures that we had. And... Action bias, the the idea of um, lack of action, man. I my and right now is the perfect example. You know, there's a there's a for anybody who's sort of investment and in look invested in the stock market and looking at their portfolio, there's a quite likely pos a possibility that you're you're looking at a, a quite a significant decrease in in your portfolio value, and that I've made some mistakes over the years, which I am not making this time around in selling off because I was scared. Mm. And so hopefully my um, inactivity um, will stand to be a long-term gainer for me. Sure. Jay, I'm going to go off piece too. If like uh, a cold weather themed sport, I'm going off piece, but you mentioned He-Man. Oh my goodness. What an amazing, amazing <laughs> character. I remember the 1980s movie starring Dolph Lundgren 
Courtney oh Cox. Oh my gosh. Uh, did you see that, Jay? Yes, I did. <laughs> masters of the universe. And we think about Warren Buffett, I guess the master of his own universe, but what an incredible movie. The movie that Star Wars could have been. Okay. I, mean, I would be afraid. I, I liked it. I went, I went with my friends to the movie theater to see it, but I would, oh. be, I, would be, I would be afraid that it wouldn't hold up well if I went to back to see it now. You're right. I absolutely <laughs> loved that movie at the time. I haven't seen it for many years like you, but what an amazing movie back then. It really was. Okay, Jay. So, um, Speaking of Buffett, why don't we move on to letter B now? So it's fitting that I quoted him just then, as Warren Buffett is certainly someone that deserves pride of place in a B section of the Sloth Investor Dictionary. However, at this point, I don't think it'd be wise for Jay and I to launch into a lengthy discussion concerning Buffett, as we have an entire podcast episode centered upon him. That's because he was the second entrant into the Sloth Investor Hall of Fame, the focus of episode 15 of the Sloth Investor Podcast. In a similar vein, Jack Bogle, another B, was the focus of episode 10 of the Sloth Investor Podcast. Without a doubt, Mr. Bogle would also be deserving of a place in the B section of the Sloth Investor Dictionary. However, for a more in-depth discussion of Jack Bogle, I advise listeners to listen to episode 10 of the Sloth Investor Podcast as he was the very first entrant into the Sloth Investor Hall of Fame. <sighs> However, I, I don't feel satisfied with leaving it there with regards to Mr. Buffett and Mr. Bogle. Jay, would you, we, would you be willing to perhaps provide a bite-sized, condensed version of why we admire these two investing giants, Warren Buffett and the late Jack Bogle? Well, the, in trying to stick with the, the letter B, perhaps the it could be summed up with you, you use the word bite size, mm. um, but buy and forget. Sure. And that's the that's what I'm really trying to do is just buy and forget. I look at my portfolio a lot less than I used to, mm. uh, and that's for my own mental well-being, yeah. but also because over time that has proven to be the best strategy for investments. And that's what they that's what they preached. You know, yeah. both of them that that inactivity that that making sure you don't um, jump on the sort of the latest news feeds. Um, to affect your impact your portfolio. Sure, I like that. I see we did that with the word best as well. I like that. <laughs> Buffett, best, buy. Hey, another one just came to me, bar of soap. I think about Buffett, I think it before, he's used the analogy of tinkering around. Uh, like a, a bar of soap. Yeah, what happens when we, when we move around a bar of soap within our hands, it tends to get smaller. Likewise, if we tinker too much of our portfolio, it could lead to it to becoming smaller as well. So interesting analogies there. Yeah, so he, yeah. your portfolio is like a bar of soap. Yeah, there you go. indeed, indeed. So. Jay, things are moving along at a steady pace now, and uh, I think it's about time that we move to the letter C. There are, of course, plenty of words that begin with the letter C that connect to the realm of investing. But I would like to discuss one now that many of our listeners will perhaps be unfamiliar with, and that word is coil. Coil. Okay, so right now, I imagine that the mention of this word, coil, could likely cause a lot of confusion. So let me take a little while to explain. Whilst browsing Twitter last month, I stumbled across an impressive analogy involving the word coil by a gentleman named Ho Nam, a follower of the Sloth Investor. Well done, Ho. <laughs> now, Ho Nam is the managing director of Autos Ventures, a venture capital firm based in California. And this is what he had to say. Begin quote. Imagery that might help stomach downturn. I picture a spring coil that's being loaded as it goes down. The more it goes, the more powerful the force that will propel it back to normal levels. I felt it deeply in 08. So much energy stored, 
and it did shoot up like a rocket later, end quote. Now, I thought this was a fantastic tweet, an altogether fantastic statement. This notion of a spring coil being loaded heavily as it is pushed down, and, to paraphrase Ho, the more it goes down, the more powerful the force there will be that propels it back to normal levels. So there it is, a four-letter C word, coil, the first word in the C section of the Sloth Investor Dictionary. Jay, what are your thoughts on this concept of a coil? Well, I saw a graph today, and it showed almost um, sort of, it spoke to this, and it showed you know, over, over periods of sell-offs, then the sort of the, the coil spring effect that things just bounce back up, um, sometimes as quickly as they've come down. And it was a really great reminder about how, you know, you need to be a long-term investor. Uh, avoid the sort of the reactionary uh, movements in your portfolio. Allow for the coiled, and see it as a buying opportunity. Mm. When the, the, the coil is um, under pressure and is, is, is down and under tension, um, I, I view right now, the sell-off right now is a buying opportunity for a lot of um, very good companies. Sure, absolutely, Jay, sure. So how could we not include the next word in the C section of the Sloth Investor Dictionary? It's actually a phrase, even more than that, it's a concept, a concept that on reflection, I wish we had discussed in our Christmas episode. That's because the phrase is compound interest, okay? Compound interest. And a reason why I refer to Christmas is that the effect of compound interest is often compared to the effect of a snowball. Well, I see what you've done there. You've connected Christmas and snow and uh, compound interest connected to uh, uh, sort of the idea of a snowball rolling bigger and bigger. Indeed, Jay. Indeed. Okay. Nothing gets by me. I like it, Jay. You're honorable. I like it. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, listen. So, you know, we don't typically associate a sloth with snowballs, but, you know, stick with me on this one. So... Let's say, let's suppose you invest $1,000 into my Sloth Shakes milkshakes business. I know it's going to be a winner, guys. It's going to be a winner. In the first year, the shares rise 10%. Your investment in my milkshakes business is now worth $1,100. You can continue to hold shares in my business, and in the second year, the shares appreciate another 10%. So instead of your shares appreciating an additional $100, just like in the first year, they also appreciate an additional $10 because the $100 you gained in the first year grew by 10% too. Therefore, after two years, your shares are worth $1,210. So what does any of this have to do with a snowball here, you ask? Well, I want you to imagine a snowball at the top of a hill covered in snow. As you roll this snowball down a hill, what's going to happen? Naturally, it picks up more snow. As it picks up more snow, it will become bigger and bigger becoming much larger in size. This is where an analogy between a snowball and a realm of investment makes sense. Given time, even the smallest amount of money can grow to a massive amount. This process of something, whether it be snow or even money, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, is known as compound interest. Compound interest accelerates the growth of your savings and investments over time. Darn it, Jay, we should have mentioned this on our Christmas episode. Jay, what are your thoughts on compound interest? Well, the first thing I want to mention, if you're, you've got a winner of a, a milkshake uh, business, that it, it's got to be real ice cream. Then that must be you must be uh, using real ice cream there, sure. because we all know that real ice cream is the secret to a really good milkshake. Um, and I've always struggled with how to explain compound interest. I know what it is, and people ask me what it is, and uh, I, I struggle for the worst. So I, I, I really like the analogy of, of a snowball, and I think about me as an educator. 
and how I use um, compounding knowledge, I guess, almost yeah. in some regards. So I'm, you know, the classes I'm working with, I'm teaching the media. And one of the questions I'll ask the class is like, what, what, what do you, what have you previously learned in some of the, the ap applications you've used that you can apply to this knowledge? And so the, the, the knowledge isn't just for that singular application, but really it's compounded because you can apply it across, you can apply that knowledge across many great, um, many great applications. And it's almost like the, the compounding effect of knowledge that it, it, it in, has an impact on, on a great variety of different things. So too with money that the money continues to grow, but not just from that single initial investment, it, it, it compounds and grows like a snowball. And it, it, it's something I really struggle to, to, to explain, but I'm really glad to hear you. And as you can tell from the words I'm using, but I'm really glad to hear sort of that analogy of a snowball. I like that. Mm, certainly interesting, isn't it? Certainly interesting indeed. Okay. So Jay, <clears throat> I'd like to use um, another phrase now that big, belongs in a C section of the Sloth Investor Dictionary. And that's the collector's mentality. I've the, never heard this word before. Yeah, it's like the collector's mentality. It's quite new to me as well. So, Jake, a Sloth investor is a collector. Absolutely. Okay, so I like to think that a Sloth investor is a collector, a collector of global businesses. Hence, the reason for my third bedrock principle of owning the world. The Sloth investor is focused on growing that collection of global businesses. As an advocate of an, in, an indexing approach to investing, it's exciting to see more and more exciting businesses added to indexes around the world. Okay, so for example, let's take a company such as Airtel Africa. Now, this may be a company that's unfamiliar to many of our listeners, but Airtel Africa is a multinational company that provides telecommunications and mobile money services in 14 countries in Africa, primarily in East Central and West Africa. Shares of Airtel Africa are available to buy in a London stock exchange, but this company has also recently been moved from the FTSE 250 to the FTSE 100, a leading UK index. The move took place on January 31st of this year. When you say FTSE 250 and FTSE 100, for the people who are listening, what does that mean? Yeah, so basically, sure. So the FTSE, F-T-S-E, that acronym stands for the Financial Times Stock Exchange, okay? And the FTSE 100 is an index that tracks the 100 largest public companies by market capitalization that trade on a London stock exchange. So basically the 100 largest companies. Absolutely, absolutely, okay? And the FTSE 250 represents the 101st to 350th largest companies listed on a London stock exchange. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I just learned something new. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? So, um... You know, there are many things to like about Airtel Africa, many things to like about this company. So, for example, such factors as demographic projections for the continent over the next 30 years, low telecoms product penetration compared to other regions of the world, increasing incomes in Airtel's emerging markets as well. However, there are, of course, potential risks with an investment in Airtel Africa. For instance, there can be political instability with some African states. So at this stage, Mr. Slough may be accused of going off track. But the point I'm trying to make here is that this notion of a collector's mentality is a great way to ensure that you capture not only the mature companies of today, but also the young, growing, and exciting companies of the future. And if we go back to indexing, it's encouraging to see the inclusion of companies such as Airtel Africa in prominent indexes such as the FTSE 100. In fact, that's the beauty of indexing. 
you obtain exposure to such a broad range of businesses, both young and old, small and large. That's impressive that they're in the, the FTSE 100. Yeah. That, 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 that means, well, that, that, that speaks to a... Uh, speaks to it quite well, I would have thought. It really does. Such an increase in recognition for the company. It, you know, it really is. So, you know, owning a low-fee, globally diversified index or ETF enables investors to get exposure to tech companies, health companies, banking companies, companies in North America, Asia, Africa, Europe, and so on. Jay and I had a much deeper discussion about this in episode three of the podcast, the theme of which was owning the world, the third bedrock principle of the sloth investor. Jay, I can't help but notice that what I've been discussing links nicely to one of the key words in a D section coming up, the D section of the sloth investor dictionary. And this word is, of course, diversification. So Jay, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to task you with making some connections between a collector's mentality and diversification, the first D letter that we'll discuss today. Well, you know what? So, uh, we're the sloth investor and I are in a chat group, and uh, someone had remarked t- today that, in his opinion, uh, that there are some of the the tech companies like Google and Microsoft and Amazon um, are great buying opportunities right now. Represent a great buying opportunity and. One of the ways that I can buy a great many of these tech companies, which I feel are a great buy, are through buying an ETF. Mm-hmm. And that's diversification. I've got a diversified portfolio of tech companies. Um, and that's, that's one of the ways. So when I, when I, I agree with them and that, and that right now presents a great buying opportunity for some companies, and I want to grab a piece of them, so I, I'm probably going to head towards the ETF rather than trying to buy the, the, the individual company. Sure. And, but also, when I do buy into individual companies, I try to um, have a balanced approach to my own portfolio and, and building my own ETF. So, you know, I own um, banks, but I also own a lot of tech companies. I own some uh, medical companies, and I try to have a, a balanced portfolio in, in my approach to buying. But one of the things I'm starting to look at more and more is sort of a, a, a diversified revenue stream for the company that I buy. Mm. And, you know, an example might be Amazon. Or, or Google and, and Apple. Apple sells um, computers, they sell laptops, they sell phones, they, um, but they also have um, streaming services that you can buy into. They um, also ha- have generate revenue from, from apps. So the, the, the amount of revenue opportunities and revenue streams for companies like Apple and Google and Microsoft, um, Amazon, um, I like that diversifi- diversification of revenue when I look at a company as well. <clears throat> I love that, Jay. And going back to Apple, I just, you know, literally last night, I um, <clears throat> purchased a movie, Boiling Point. Boiling Point with Stephen Graham. Have you heard of it? Have you seen it? No, it's I great, haven't. No. Great, great movie. And it's about... It's You'd really, recommend it. I recommend it. It's shot in an hour and a half take. So it's pretty incredible. So it starts off, the chef is walking to his restaurant. And what did I do to stop investing? I paid Apple a couple of dollars to watch the movie last night. It was great. But yeah, just the importance of streaming to Apple and so many businesses. It's it's amazing. These well, as, a, as an owner of, of Apple stock, I thank you for uh, your contribution to my uh, stock value. There you go. There you go. All right. So, Jay... We've been exploring the first four letters in a sloth investor dictionary. Jay, thank you for discussing diversification. Well, let's bring today's podcast to a close with a discussion of another word that belongs in a D section of the sloth investor dictionary. So 
let me introduce this word by using a cryptic song title from the British singer Morrissey. One of his songs is named The More You Ignore Me, The Closer I'll Get. And the song is taken from his 1994 album, Vauxhall and I. Where do you come up with these things? I, 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 how do you find them? Eclectic taste in music. I'm not, I'm not a massive <laughs> Morrissey fan, I must admit. But like, I just, I thought about this song. I thought about, you know, you know, the, the more you ignore me, the closer I'll get. And, you know, what did this remind a sloth investor of? The more you ignore, the closer I'll get. Well, Jay, it is, of course, debt. Jay, if we continue with this musical theme, it seems that debt can get the better of even the most successful of musical artists. For example, these are some of the lyrics from Kanye West's song, St. Pablo, from his 2016 album, The Life of Pablo. I can't do it in Kanye's voice. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to just straight my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> my wife said, I can't say no to nobody. And at this rate, we're going to both die broke. Got friends that ask me for money knowing I'm in debt. And Kanye, 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 Kanye. What is there left to say? So while debt often has negative connotations, it's important to generate a distinction between good debt and bad debt. Good debt is used to invest something that will increase in value. For example, perhaps a student loan, a mortgage, or a business loan. Bad debt is generally described as borrowing money at a high rate of interest for items that won't increase in value. For example, high interest rate car loans and credit card debt are some examples of bad debt. For me, the profound point about debt is that it can function like a straitjacket exerting a stranglehold on your financial flexibility. Quite simply, debt bogs us down. It holds us back. Let me now quote from a book entitled Happy Money, The Science of Happy Spending by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. This is also a book that we frequently reference in episode 13 of the podcast during our focus on how we can spend money to achieve greater happiness. This is what the authors of the book have to say about debt. Begin quote. <clears throat> The power of now makes people believe that paying for something in the future will produce less misery than paying today. If paying is aversive, surely it is wise to put it off for as long as possible. The problem is that just the opposite is true. Almost half of all US residents report worrying about their debts, although the relationship between income and happiness is fairly weak. Among Americans, there is a much stronger relationship between individuals' happiness and whether they have difficulty paying their bills. In other words, what we owe is a bigger predictor of our happiness than what we make. They then go on to state, debt is particularly detrimental for marriage. Married couples with higher levels of debt show increases in marital conflict. Jay, as we, begin, as we bring today's episode to a close, what are your thoughts on debt? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that snowball effect that, mm -hmm. that, that it, it really... It, that you can, it can snowball out of control um, mm. if you don't have good control on it. And you mentioned good, good debt and bad debt. And, and myself as an investor, one of the things I struggle with uh, in my investments, right now I have uh, two pieces of property and there's a, a mortgage attached to both of them. And I wonder, is it better to take money out of my investments, which will have that compounding um, snowball effect and pay off the, pay off the mortgage, or do I... Um, continue to leave it in the investment and um, continue with my mortgage. The The good news is for me, my mortgage, and I consider a mortgage, you know, when you buy money, um, I've bought money at a really reasonable rate. Uh, I've bought 
um, money to pay for the house at a, at a very low interest rate and um, somewhere in the neighborhood around 2%. And I, I consider that to be a, a decent mortgage rate. Um, but I do struggle with that. I do wonder that. And uh, part of me says I want this debt out of my life. But I have to reconcile that with the fact that it's not a bad debt right now. Mm, mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's just so pivotal. And I'm sure we'll talk about this in an upcoming episode when we look at perhaps, you know, letters E to J or E to K, for example. But education is so important to teach young people about debt and the pitfalls of debt, the way it can exert a stranglehold upon our finances. So certainly some key points. Thanks, Jay. So, you know, that just about wraps things up for today. In a future episode, perhaps not episode 20, but a little further down the line, we'll continue our exploration of the words that comprise the sloth investor dictionary. But for now, I think we'll stop right there at the letter D. In fact, this may be a little bit corny, guys, but I'm going to use the letters A to D to sign off from this episode. So all that remains to say from me is adios, bye, ciao, and let's depart. Jay, that was episode 19. What do you have to say? I hope everybody stays warm who's in Hong Kong and listening, and we will see you for episode 20 uh, before too long. See you soon, guys. Bye for now. Bye-bye. For more tips, follow The Sloth Investor on Twitter at Sloth underscore Investor.